Today on the podcast, we talk about Mike Zimmer and Jim Caldwell landing new head coaching jobs. We're going to preview the NFC and AFC title games, talk about Clayton Kershaw's big deal. We discuss the new format for the real world, all that, and Ben teaches how to teaches us how to crochet hats and scarves. Let's go get it. Adam Hawking, Ben Sherman, to join just briefly the day in sports.com, the day in sports on Facebook, TDIS underscore Humblebreg on Twitter, the day in sports on iTunes. The day in sports underwear. That's the most exhausting part of the, of the whole podcast is, is the beginning. Yeah, you just, when you're rolling through it. Those are my favorite parts though. It's fun. I feel like you can throw it on autopilot and let your brain drift. That's true. Kind of brings me back to zero. Yeah. And now I'm ready to talk Jim Caldwell. Mike Zimmer. Yeah. Let's start with Jim Caldwell, because we're probably going to get pretty in-depth into Zimmer. Jimmy C., they call him, on the street, I hear. Here's my worry about Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Um, He's in Detroit. Yeah, that's my biggest worry, is is he being mugged right now? Um, but I thought when he was with the Colts, he kind of, like us, could put it on autopilot and just say, hey, Peyton, you know. Yeah. They, they get to the Super Bowl with him in, in that first year, I think, and then, you know, lose to the Saints, and then... Peyton has the neck thing, he's out, and without Peyton Manning, they go 2-14. and 14. It just seemed like he... I'm just worried he's not assertive enough, assertive enough to control what is, at least from the outside looking in, a, a pretty difficult Lions locker room to, to control. I think what will be kind of telling is to see who he chooses as his defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I think especially that group needs a, a strong hand to hold those leashes. You yeah. got Nick Fairley and, and Dominican Sue, I think... Those are big personalities that kind of demand a, a pretty, pretty uh, short leash, a pretty, pretty tight rein in on them. Somebody who's going to really keep them in line. Yeah, that's what I wonder. Is like, um, just speaking about Caldwell, is he? You know, he's kind of a dungy type in the way that he approaches people. He's very calm, not a screamer. Um, could that calm have a transformative effect on the Lions, or do you think they'll kind of do the thing? You know, mistake his kindness for weakness and, and walk all over him. Not a workhorse. Uh, if you're looking for Clydesdale, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he's probably going to get walked all over. There's so many big personalities in that locker room, and as yeah. as self-assured as he seemed in that press conference when he was introduced as the new head coach, and as kind of um, confident as he looked, I really don't think that with everything that's going on over there, it's going to be a very uh, successful matchup. I just don't know what his credentials are. Like, I look at, you know, he coached Peyton Manning. Okay, yeah. every offensive coordinator that coaches Peyton Manning, like Mike McCoy, goes, mm-hmm. and, gets the jo- yeah. goes and gets the job yeah. in San Diego. If you coach Peyton, he makes you look good. Yeah. And then he moves over and takes over as the old coordinator last year with the Ravens after Cam Cameron got fired. He had a five- or six-game run where, given they won the Super Bowl, but I don't know how much credit you give to a guy that just took over an offensive system with six weeks left. Yeah, and how much of like how much of that is residual from from Cam Cameron, and yeah. how much of how much of it really comes down to just players playing well? I I don't know. A lot of the stuff that I think Joe Flacco did really well in some of those playoff games was unscripted and, and just kind of like yeah. pull it out of your butt stuff. Um, the one thing I do think is is at least for Matt Staff, if I were Matt Stafford, I'd be happy with the hire because he has worked with Peyton Manning, he has worked with Flacco, and if Stafford's open to it, I don't know if he is. He kind of seems like the type of guy that 
says, I don't need fundamentals because I've got all this talent. But if he's open to it, I think Caldwell could probably impart a lot of work ethic, how to study film, you know, how to mm-hmm. win in the playoffs, yeah. which both Manning and Flacco have done and Stafford has not. I, you know, I, I, it's going to take a lot for me to be convinced that Jim Caldwell hasn't been a guy that just kind of... He's got to win. Who, who's been given more than ample opportunity and just people just assume he knows what he's doing. But so far, other than, you know, Peyton Manning and a, a couple lucky games with the, with the Ravens, it's been... In general, not a great success. The jury's out, I would say. But um, the good thing about him being with the Lions is everyone has said that's a ready-made roster to win. So if he wins, then, you know, we can can start talking about him as a good coach. If he doesn't win, then I think we'll kind of have the final verdict done on what Caldwell is as as a head coach. It'll be interesting. Yeah. As the coaching carousel turns... Mike Zimmer. Like the sands of the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm, I've got some thoughts. Yeah. On the Zim, but you're the Vikings fan. I'm going to wind you up and let you go. Yeah. What do you think of the hire? I like it. Um, I think going into it, and we talked about this the last, uh, during the last podcast, that he really needs to find somebody that's offensive, offensively minded to come in and just take charge there. And I believe I told you last Tuesday after the podcast, which I wish I would have said it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You can still say it now. It hasn't happened yet. Now no one is going to believe me. But I said Norv Turner's out there, and yeah. the Vikings should go get him. Yeah, you did. I can verify that. And, and it's true. I think out of the the candidates that they've named, um, I think Kyle Shanahan being another one of them, that Norv Turner is by far the most experienced. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to leave Cleveland, obviously? And they're going to yeah. clean house anyways, I'm sure, with a new coach coming in. Um, I think he's a great matchup with the experience that he's got, especially as a head coach. Yeah. And it kind of allows Zimmer, or it should allow Zimmer if they hire him, to be more of that emotional kind of motivator, make guys go out and work hard and, and make sure everybody's kind of giving their full effort as opposed to worrying about trying to figure out, you know, an offensive scheme or help your offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I love the marriage of, of Zimmer and Turner because... Um, it's a if, lot of experience. I mean, it's 40-plus years of, of NFL experience. It's it's basically the type of coaching staff you would want for a team like the Lions that's ready-made to go. I was thinking that, actually. A, yeah. And to win. I'll start with Zimmer. Um, and then I'll kind of work to, to Norv. But I, I think Zimmer is, you know, he's been, uh, since 2000, he's been a defensive coordinator. Yeah. So he's been spending 14 years as the number two or three guy, however you look at it, on the staff, watching the head coach saying, this works, this doesn't, here's what I would do. You know a guy like that's taking notes on when I get my chance. Here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I think he knows exactly what he wants to do. Um, if you watch him on hard knocks, he's the type of guy that, that keeps everybody accountable I, I don't care who you are, you're not going to intimidate Mike Zimmer yeah. if you're a player. he you, You're either going to do it his way or you're not going to be there. Um, and then I think when you get to bringing in Norv Turner, um, you know, Zimmer can be the the organizational guy that, that Turner hasn't been very good at as a head coach. Mm-hmm. So Turner's in charge of motivating, keeping guys' assignment sound and accountable, and then running the defense. And then Norv Turner comes in and those aren't his strengths. His strength is designing and implementing an offense, and, and he's been great at it. Yeah. He, um, he was with uh, the Cowboys in their Super Bowl run from 91 to 93. He gave Alex Smith his only good season um, before Harbaugh in 2006. Um, so, he, you know, he worked with Drew Brees. And he did a lot. Yeah, he did a lot in San Diego. Yeah. Um, especially brought Phillip Rivers along as well. Especially, you know, and they had LaDainian Tomlinson, too, um, kind of in his heyday. He's always designed a running game. He's had Frank Gore. He's had Emmett Smith. He's had, like you said, LT. Um, and then even last year, he made Brian Hoyer 
the, the Browns were two and one or something, and we're like, is, is Brian Hoyer a, a franchise quarterback? Yeah. I mean, that was a discussion people were having. Um, so he's always been very good at grooming a quarterback, and it, maybe they get Bridgewater, Menzel, Bortles, whoever at number eight, yeah. or if not, maybe he can, you know, coax something out of Ponder. It'll be really interesting. Um, as far as Zimmer goes, I heard that uh, kind of behind closed doors, Dallas Brass said letting him go, letting him kind of escape uh, their coaching staff was one of the bigger mistakes they ever made because they really liked him. Yeah. Everybody that's ever played for him, or for the most part, really likes him, even though he's kind of a harsh, salty guy. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good sign with somebody who's kind of has a uh, brash personality that guys will still go to bat for him and, and say, you know, that he, he helped them and really taught them how to play football. I would um, also, I, I would just add, you know, the Vikings in the past have kind of, they all just kind of seemed like, you know, they would let the team come to them yeah. and kind of kind of laissez-faire. Yeah. Um, and I think Mike Zimmer's going to be very much hands-on. Yeah. And he needs to be to correct that defense. And also, let's face it, the Vikings have had some discipline issues mm-hmm. over the last decade, decade and a half. What's really, it will be really interesting to see if uh, he can turn Chris Cook into a real football player and not just a stumbling idiot out on the field. It'll be Yeah, I, I think... If they hang on to him. W- what I thought is, and I, again, I'm going to relate it back to the... 49ers coaching staff because that's my team and that's the transformation I've been most in tune to. But when that staff came in, Harbaugh staff, like Vic Fangio made guys into guys that they weren't before. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Justin Smith was a solid player in Cincinnati. Now he's first team all pro every single year. Transformative kind of coaching. Carlos Rogers was cut by the Redskins. He's made the Pro Bowl with San Francisco. Uh, Dante Whitner was let go. Uh, and you know he's made some Pro Bowls in San Francisco, so I think not only will Zimmer bring in the right guys, but he'll turn guys that you have on your roster into you know reaching their full potential. Outside of Vontez Perfect, he did that in in Cincinnati a lot too. Kind of the the island of misfit toys approach, mm-hmm. like taking pe- taking people's garbage and turning it into yeah. you know a top five defense. Yeah, yeah, which is really impressive. I think they've been top five in the league last three years or so. Yeah, so. it's it'll be interesting. I I think um. What I'm looking forward to most is seeing the effort change. You know, I think there were a couple games last year that you and I even watched against the Panthers. Remember, they just quit. We said in the first quarter they're not tackling. I mean, they just they, the Vikings honestly quit. Yeah. And, and Mike Zimmer will run on the field with his shirt off, screaming yeah. if that, if that he, happens. He's not going to let anybody get away with that. He'll send a, the B squad out in the second half <laughs> rather than see guys behave that way. I think so. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Let's channel that excitement. Are you ready to talk NFC title games and make our fearless predictions? Yeah. A- NFC and AFC. Let's start with the AFC. It's best best Sunday in the entirety of the football season in the world. Yeah. In the universe. Better than Super Bowl Sunday. It's like two Super Bowls in one day. Yeah, it is. Generally a better matchup. Teams know each other better. Yeah. Don't get the layoff. So it's, it's going to be awesome. Brady versus Manning. I think the AFC we kind of thought was was watered down all year. Yeah. Um, but I I also think these were the two teams we felt could could punch with the NFC. Yeah. Um, you know, if they were to I get there. I think those are probably two of the maybe three or four that we picked to be in this spot at the end of the year. Yeah, I think we had, you know, once we became familiar with Kansas City, we liked them. Um, but when you get to the playoffs, it's it's Brady and Manning. And I yeah. wouldn't want it any other way to, yeah. to see who goes to the Super Bowl. It's going to be really fun. I'm sure those guys are so sick of talking about each other at this point that they could put a bullet in their heads. But I think one of the one of the uh, Broncos on-site ESPN reporters was like, Peyton Manning uh, just left here in a hurry in search of an adult beverage. Uh, he didn't want to talk to anybody. And he didn't want to talk about Tom Brady or the Patriots. Yeah, the storyline has to get old for them, but not for us. No, not for us at all. I, I 
can't believe it actually came down to this again. I mean, I kind of thought it might, but it was kind of more of a wish than than a real prediction. It's kind of storybook to yeah. see these two play each other again. And I have a few questions. Yeah. Do you think Peyton plays great, or do you think he plays nervous Peyton, playoff Peyton? Peyton, I've noticed kind of in the latter parts of seasons, tends to play up or down to his competition, depending on where the game is, I think. Um, sometimes, you know, depending on the pace of the game, like they go up by 14 or whatever over San Diego, and it's almost like they took their foot off the gas a yeah. little bit. I worry about that because I don't think Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in New England are going to let them do that without paying for it right. severely. I do think, though, that given the stage and all the, the Brady-Manning talk and that Tom Brady has the edge in, in, in their head-to-head matchup and all that stuff is probably going to get to Peyton a little bit. I expect to see him play as well as he's played in the playoffs in the last, you know, eight years. Yeah, the, the all-time head-to-head is Brady 10 wins, Peyton 4. Yeah. And it's a little it, one-sided. It's, it is one-sided, and it's just kind of interesting because... I mean, I think Brady, for the bulk of their rivalry, has always had the better defense. But I think Peyton has almost always had the better skill position players. Yeah. I mean, he had Marvin Harrison, Edron James, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, and now he's got Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas, uh, Welker, and Decker. And Brady, again, is kind of just cobbling it together. And yet, I just have this feeling about, about Brady and the Patriots in this game. There's this, like, very unsettling like quiet confidence in within the patriots like organization that just makes people go what do they know that we don't know i think what they know is we're the freaking yeah they're like "Ah, we're we're gonna have a chance to win and you know when we do we're gonna we're gonna take it i think i think if the broncos don't win and go to the super bowl that we may see kind of the decline of peyton manning from here on out despite that huge season that he had well and he has said he's got a a neck exam after the season and Win, lose, or whatever happens the rest of the year, that exam will determine whether or not he he plays another season. Are they going to inject more fetus cells into his neck? I don't know what's going on in his neck. I don't want to see it. You got to go to Europe and pay big bucks for those high dollar fetus cells. Well, I heard it was some athlete that was talking about how they got a stem cell injection in their knee. Mm -hmm. I guess that's legal now. It is. If you go to Europe, it is. Well, I think this was an American surgery. I'm trying to get some stem cells. Yeah. Just see if I can inject it into my back. I think if you had. harvested them from your son earlier on, you'd be in good shape. But I tried, but you, you he doesn't like long. needles. I actually took him to the doctor yesterday. He got a couple of, of vaccines. He was none too pleased. Yeah. It was, uh, he was punchy did all he night. Give, did he give you a, a real grumpy face? He gave me the real you. protruding bottom lip, which almost is like cliche, but it really does happen. Yeah. When babies are really upset, they I want, still do that. They ferociously want you to see their bottom lip. Yeah. Um, Back on track. Yeah. I got derailed there for a little bit. That's fun. Did I ask you, okay, I want to know how many points you think it's going to take to win this game. Do you see shootout, Brady and Manning going for it, or do you see a turnover happy game? You know, what, 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 how do you see it playing out? I can only, like, I guess the only thing we really have to go on or that I, I would use as a, a comparative kind of a thing would be their first game, which was 34-31. Yeah, Broncos got up 24 to nothing. Yeah. New England came all the way back. That worked out well. Yeah. Uh, I would guess at 31 points. I think if if there's one of those two teams scores 31 points, they're going to win that game. I don't see it scoring any higher than that. Yeah. Um, the weather, Denver's always sunny. Uh, sometimes you get a little bit of wind, and it's not super cold. No, I, mean, I don't think it's going to be freezing cold. It's not going to be 20s, like Lambo or anything yeah, like that. It's, no. I mean, it's winter weather, but it's it's mountain kind of you know thirty degree, you know weather. I think I think 
31 points isn't too much to to ask. 31-24, maybe, something like that? Yeah, I think I... Well, you'll see my picks coming up later yeah. on the blog. Your but picks? But, I'll, but yeah, I think... Yeah, those two. Those are coming out. Me and Favre, special edition. Um, to me, it's kind of about two names in this game. Akib Tlaib and, and Bill Belichick. Yeah. I, I just think it's going to be about turnovers, because whoever doesn't turn the ball over, I think is going to be able to move the ball against their respective defenses, which just aren't very good. Yeah. But I think the Patriots will come up with, like they always do, some scheme and look that no one has ever seen before. Um, and and when Peyton throws down the field, we've seen the ball wobble and kind of lose a little bit of life. Yeah. And I think Belichick finds a way to get blue short blue shirts, you know, towards the football. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe Manning gets picked off once or twice and Brady doesn't. Um, so to me... I feel like you're leading. That's going to be the difference. And I, I think New England runs the ball with Blunt and Ridley. Um Maybe even a little Shane Vereen. Yeah. I don't know. Something really cool we don't even know about. But I'll take New England 30 to 24. I like um, I like Denver only for the fact that outside of Aqib Tlaib, the secondary in New England isn't stellar. Yeah. And Denver's depth at the wide receiver position is really unbelievable. I mean, who, Tlaib's probably going to be on um, Demarius. Demarius. Yeah. And then after that, you got guys like Eric Decker and Wes Welker and, you know, no Sean Marino out of the backfield and kind of their their cadre of running backs. Yeah, it'll be really tough for New England to match up with those guys, and, I, and you know they don't want to see Welker have a huge game. No, which he probably will. Which he he might. I mean he he's going to be one of those guys that's matched up against a a lesser opponent human. Yeah. Um, and you know especially with Decker, I I just don't see New England being able to cover those bases defensively well enough for yeah. for sixty minutes. There's just no way. Yeah, Denver definitely has. It's not, you know, I mean, I wrote, why in the hell am I picking the Patriots? I wrote that on my yeah. notes. It's like, what the... It's what, the magic. You believe in the magic. What does Denver have to do? I mean, Manning broke the touchdown record, the yardage record. Yeah. He won 13 games, but... I, I juggled I, four balls at once. I got to go New England, so you're going to go Denver. I think so. I, I've been a big proponent of Patriot magic all season long. I know. I think you pulled the, the, the switcheroo on me. I pulled the wool over your eyes. Yeah, you did. No, I... It's only for the, the the defensive fact. I think um, I just don't see Denver at home, you know, because that that place has been. It's not Seattle, but it's. I been, think it's about it's the next best thing. Long. It was. I was noticing that during their their last game against the Chargers. It yeah. was. It was pretty ferocious. The, there. What was it? Um, I can't remember who did the game this last week in Denver. The broadcasters. Um, somebody from CBS. But they said. I mean, in. 15 years of going and doing games at Denver, that's the loudest they've ever heard it. Yeah, I think, and I think the Denver crowd and everyone there can sense this might be our last shot with yeah. Peyton. And, and they get, and they get dead silent when he's on the field. Yeah, right? yeah. Omaha! Omaha. <laughs> well, let's go from Omaha. We'll go further west. Nobody ever goes to Omaha, let's be honest. Well, let's drive past Omaha, let's right through it. Right through Omaha. To Seattle. Ooh. Niners, Seahawks. You're so excited. I'm really nervous. All right. We've talked about the crowd. In Seattle. Yeah. Uh, the 12th man. Pretty much all year. It's, I mean, we know what it is. Yeah. It's, it's the best home field advantage in sports. Yeah. How much of a factor is the crowd on Sunday against a team that, in fairness, will be going there for the second time this year, their third time in two years? So if there's a team that's used to it, it's them. Yeah. I, I actually don't think it's going to be as big of a deal as it, as it probably was for the Saints or some of those other teams. Um, mostly for the fact that, I think San Francisco's got one of, if not the best defense left. Yeah. Um, Seattle, probably a close first or second, wherever, somewhere in there. But in um, the way that Seattle's offense has been playing, I really 
think that San Francisco is going to be able to kind of hang in there at the very least. It's going to be a close game, um, especially if Percy Harvin doesn't play. Yeah, I don't know. I know he wasn't practicing, and, yeah. and you mentioned the Niner defense and, and Seattle's offense struggling. Over the last five games, Russell Wilson has completed nine passes, then 15, 11, 18, and 15. So he, he he's not prolific in any sense of the yeah. word. Um, I mean, an average game for him would for him to, you know, complete maybe 13, 14 balls. I don't know if that's going to be enough. Um, I think all this week San Francisco's defense is probably saying it's going to be on us because it's quiet when we're playing defense. Yeah. And it's, you know, we have a chance to impact the game. Um, so I think the, the 49er defense is thinking we can't allow more than 10 points. And the 49er defense can also quiet the yeah. crowd for for their offense if they come out and really make some plays, turn the ball over. You're not going to get a really loud uh, home home field advantage if your quarterback's throwing interceptions or if, or if you know yeah. you guys are fumbling the ball. Um, and you know I wouldn't put it past San Francisco's defense to score some points as likely as maybe Seattle's would. Yeah, I, I think the key for San Francisco is going to be three things. I think it's going to be these things three. These things three. Um, bottling Marshawn Lynch. You know he's going to get his attempts, but but don't let him break the long one. Try to keep him three and a half yards of carry. Yeah. Keep Russell Wilson in the pocket, which is easier said than done. But they did a really good job the last time they played, and then win yeah. the win the field position battle. So yeah. if you go three and out, don't punt from your own ten yard line. You know you need you need to, you know they've got a good punter. It's going to be a game about where you end up with the ball. I think this is a game where whoever scores the most points is going to win. Yes, that will be important. Um, I I am excited. I think the matchup I'm excited to watch. Is going to be. I'm, I'm imagining that Richard Sherman is probably going to be on Michael Crabtree. Yeah, I would say he'll spend time on him and maybe Vernon Davis. Yeah, and and old VD, especially once they get down. I like uh, I like the looks that Vernon gets in, in the, the red zone. Line. Yeah, yeah, uh, twenty yards or so out. That's perfect for him. Those he can go right up the seam. Yeah, um, he's faster than just about anyone yeah. that's covering him. I, I think what'll really be interesting to that point is whoever Sherman's not matched up with. Yeah. Anquan Bola doesn't get great separation, but he's just great at fighting for the ball, kind of like a basketball player. And I think Kaepernick is the type of guy that likes to look at his first read, and if it's even remotely there, he feels like he can make the throw. He yeah. doesn't go through his progressions very well. He's going to throw it as hard as he can. So I would expect that first read, a lot of the, a lot of plays to be whoever, wherever 25 isn't on the defense is where he's going to go with the football. Yeah. I You know what would be interesting? i, I got to say, if, if – uh... Just for fun, if it were up to me, I'd like to see um, Bolden and Sherman kind of fight it out because they're both real physical at they the certainly line of scrimmage. And... Yeah, in, in the first game in Seattle, and, uh, and I think Sherman shut Bolden down pretty well yeah. because, you know, Bolden's good with the smaller guys that, that he can kind of throw around, but you can't throw Richard Sherman around. And, and Bolden just, you know how he is. He yeah. got real chippy and just kind of real flustered. Yeah. So be interesting to see if, if the Niners can open things up for. For whoever, like I said, whoever 25 isn't guarding. Do you think Richard Sherman's the best cornerback in football? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I think he uh, he has the speed to get deep with people, but he's so good in press coverage. He's got good ball skills, led the league with eight interceptions. And I think his confidence, I think that's a position all about confidence, mm-hmm. and, and he probably has more than, than anybody. If... Uh... If he joined the, just for fun, if he joined the 49ers Yes, I defense, would root for him. I would love him. Would it be the greatest defense ever, possibly? It would be. I've actually thought about this the other day because I've got lots to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I it, it kind of would remind me of when Deion Sanders came over in 1994 yeah. and the 49ers won the Super Bowl. 
when Bobby Boucher came in at, at halftime in the bourbon, bu- in the Mud Dogs won the bourbon bowl. Um, it would be a lot like that. But no, I would, I would enjoy some Richard Sherman. I, I'm certainly looking forward to out of the two conference championships. I think the NFC more. I think everybody. It's is. a heavyweight it's the, fight. It's the bigger matchup. It's gonna, it is the bigger matchup. It's the more physical teams. It's more, it's football. Yeah. The other, the, the first game is art. It's mm-hmm. the two artists, the yeah. two maestros. The second game is Smash Mouth football. And that, that's what I'm looking forward to. Last question. Okay. And then some predictions. Um, do you think Kaepernick can use his legs in this game? He's been more of a runner in the playoffs, but Seattle's pass rush and their fast linebackers worry me that it's not going to be like finding space against Green Bay. I, what I would say is kind of the one, the one time I think this last week against Carolina that the Niners got caught with their pants down as far as the quarterback running the ball is when they were, they're, they're stunting some of their defensive linemen. Yeah. And I would not do that, um, at all, uh, if I were either team, I think, in this situation with a mobile quarterback. You gotta kind of stay in your lane. Yeah. Um, but that said, I think if either of those two defenses is more susceptible to the rush, it's Seattle. Uh, they've got really, a really aggressive, um, front line there, and those guys can get upfield really, really quick, uh, in a pass rush, and there might be some openings there. Yeah, I would say the, the main advantage San Francisco has is, I think the 49ers have a better offensive line, and both teams can rush the passer, so I think San Francisco's more equipped to protect than is Seattle. Yeah, I, I like, um, I like their front seven, I think, better than I do Seattle's. Yeah. Um, I like Seattle's secondary better, obviously. But yeah. I think, I think, uh, if I had to make a prediction, I really do think Frank's going to have a big day, too. So, I'll make my game prediction, and then I want yours. I'm okay. going to take, I, I can't pick Seattle in this game. My heart won't allow me yeah, to do yeah, it. You got to do what's right for you. I don't know wh- how much my brain really believes this, but I do think San Francisco has every shot to win this game, and I'll take, I think it's a race to 17 points. Yep. I really do. I think if San Francisco can score 17 points, they win the game. So I'll take them 17 to 13 in that area. I, for whatever reason, I just have this like really foreboding feel of collapse for the Seahawks. It's, oh, they just haven't oh, played you scared well. me. I don't know why. Um, I'm going to go 24-17 San Francisco as, a, as a, a wagering man's bet. So we both have the Niners. Yeah. And then we're split on the AFC. I've got the Patriots. You've got the Broncos. I think... No matter what matchup we get, um, if it's not San Francisco, I'll just cry for the next podcast for yeah. like an hour, and that'll be easy to plan. I'll just cry. Which team would you rather face should your Niners head to the big dance? The Patriots. Yeah? Even though I think the Patriots are going to win, I think the Broncos are harder to prepare for, and like you said, the skill position guys, that's what scares me. No one on New England besides Tom Brady strikes fear into your heart. Yeah. But New, uh, uh, but But the Broncos have four or five guys that you think that's a guy we could potentially need to double team. Yeah. All of them. It'll be interesting. I'm excited. If you had to, if you had to bet money, would you change no. either of your decisions? I don't think so. The the Patri- I think both games are honestly a coin flip. Yeah, they are. Um pick 'em, they're pick 'em games. Yeah, I think they're both pick 'em games. Let's take a little break ski. Then we'll come back and on the other side of the break talk a little Clayton Kershaw getting rich. Yeah. Stacking mad paper. Almost as rich as me. Welcome back to the podcast. Eric just selected for you a beautiful melody, I'm sure. A fruit medley. 
Maybe a medley of vegetables. Maybe maybe there's... When's that going to happen, by the way? When are we going to get to the point in technology where you're watching the Food Network and whatever they make for you, you can then eat you're from still, your TV? You're still on the... What was the... The singularity? The singularity thing. Yeah, I don't know if that's a big part of the singularity, but essentially what the singularity is is a point, a pinnacle in, in human existence where technology reaches such a level that things are nearly perfect. Yeah. Almost like a utopia. You're you're jacked. And up in my personal utopia, you can eat food from the Food Network. So I mean, that would be, and you probably only have like one device that like controls your entire life in the singularity. A singular remote yeah. control. Yeah, universal. It's there's better be TV in the singularity. Otherwise, I'm not going. If it's like the Matrix, I don't think I'll ever go. Red pill or blue pill? Clayton Kershaw, seven years, two hundred and fifteen million dollars. Becomes the highest paid starting pitcher of all time. Uh, you know, we, we see these huge deals in baseball. But the weird thing to me is baseball is behind the NFL and the NBA in terms of generating revenue. And yet they give out bigger contracts than either one of those sports. Right. Um, it's weird. And it's all guaranteed money, unlike the NFL. Now, I realize in the NFL there's 53 guys to pay, so you got to spread it out a little bit more. So that 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 is always something I, I just found a little bit strange. Now with with uh, you know revenue sharing and all that, I don't know. I guess I guess if there is a huge deal, this is the guy I would give it to, and the Dodgers are the team that that can afford it. They seem to have right. limitless pockets, um, but they are in a run for the World Series. And, and Kershaw's numbers last year: uh, sixteen and nine, one point eight three ERA, seventy seven and forty six on his career with a two point six ERA. He's twenty five years old. Um, like I said, I think this is the guy you give the money to. It's so weird to me that in baseball, like the the chasm between the haves and the have-nots is Incredible. just enormous. Like you, you got guys that get brought up out of the minors every once in a while, and you know I'm sure they're making like three hundred dollars in a peanut butter sandwich yeah. to play. Well, and even between the teams, like Clayton Kershaw now has the same payroll as pretty much the entire Tampa Bay Rays roster. I don't know. I I agree with you though. I I guess I don't really know how baseball can afford to do stuff like that still. Well, I mean things are. What is there a luxury tax now in baseball? Is that what it is? If you if you go over your yeah. salary, if you go over, it's the, kind of the same thing in the NBA, except even less respected by the major market teams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the Yankees will spend whatever they want. The Dodgers can. But you're right. the The NBA has done a. a an increasingly good job of narrowing the gap mm-hmm. between teams and, and baseball doesn't seem to be getting any better. It's it's like we it's like we learned nothing from Alex Rodriguez and like have we learned him, nothing or Josh Hamilton or yeah. any I mean anyone the Angels have signed. Pitchers seem to be a little bit more I guess of a of a proven commodity. Some pitchers, yeah. Well, and this guy, I mean, he's twenty five, so by the end of his contract, he still be relatively in his yeah. prime at thirty two, barring elbow injury, and then. You look at the deal like Cano got, he's 30 yeah. or 31. He's going to be 38, 39 by the end of his deal. So this makes a lot more sense to me. It does. And he's, he is the best pitcher in baseball. In baseball, yeah. Right now, you know. Yeah, he kind of, I think he took the mantle from Verlander last year. Um, and like at, at this age, it doesn't look like he's going to give it up. So I also would think the Dodgers with, with, uh, all the talent they have on that roster with Ramirez and Puig and, and Gonzalez and, uh, and deep pitching staff, you would think that they're probably the the favorites. Yeah, it's hard for me to say that about any Los Angeles team because I don't like that. I hold a special place in hell for them. Even but the La- even my Lakers. You stole my Lakers. That's true. We did. I, Sorry about I that. I can I can never get over that. No, but I I think um, George Mikan. The, they do have a big advantage as far as the market that they 
operate in. Oh yeah, and it's as, what is as, California like the fifteenth largest economy in the world? Yeah, just alone, and maybe, Los, maybe higher than that. In Los Angeles, in general, if you can get into the the LA fan base's favor, it's just they're just going to dump gold over your head, pretty much. <laughs> you know, with, with all the all the celebrities, and the Dodgers are a really marketable brand. So I think this is good for them, and with guys like that, with like Kershaw, who's done so much for them up to this point. Yeah. It's it's only right to reward him, whether they're paying him too much or not, I guess, is... But too much know. is relative, too, yeah. because, I mean, in terms of what he's going to bring in in jersey sales and TV revenue, it'll be probably closer to a billion dollars. Yeah. So, from a business standpoint, he probably is a bargain. Yeah, and it'll be really um, fun to see if they kind of have to eat crow on this or not. Like Because yeah. baseball, it, it seems so much more that way. Usually in football, if somebody gets an enormous contract... It's you because, cut them. It's not guaranteed. Yeah, it, and... They've they've gotten there. They're getting this contract because they literally just had probably the best season of their career. They're in perfect physical condition. A la Joe Flacco. Yeah. And with baseball, it just there's so many games. It's such a grind that it could go either way. And I, I really enjoy kind of seeing yeah those things play out. And, and there's one ligament, you know, that that ulnar collateral ligament yeah. in, in the elbow that that you just don't know when it's going to go for a pitcher. And, and when it does, you miss a year, year and a half. How have scientists not come up with, like, the perfect throwing motion that has, like, zero stress on the elbow and... Too much time you know, working on miles. worthless diseases. Yeah. Trying to cure cancer. Yeah. And AIDS. Yeah, let's let's fix elbows yeah. first. Crawl before you walk. The people that are really important to us, athletes, deserve our undivided attention. That's true. Seedless watermelon. We have it. <laughs> um, let's go to the pop culture <clears throat> slash trivia slash get-to-know-your-hosts section hole. Um, it's my favorite hole to go fishing in. I, I just came up with a bunch of weird things that I wanted to ask you. Okay. And I didn't know what to label the segment, so it's pop culture slash trivia slash get to know your hosts. Okay. Ben. Yeah. Sherman. Yes. Have you seen the new real world? Question mark. And then, on top of that, they will be introducing the exes, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends of everyone in the house as a surprise a few episodes in. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on the new format? It's going to be an explosion. Yes, it will be. Um... Shamefully enough, I have watched it. Oh, I I've watched both twice. episodes. It's it's hard not to, and I I don't even like. It's one of those shows that I really am ashamed to admit that I've seen, but yeah. I'm really excited to see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of coitus going on. There is, and then a lot know, of jealousy about ex boyfriends and girlfriends yeah. too. There's a uh, the jelly factor is very high. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think so either. I I'll, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna keep tuned in. I think there's a one love triangle in particular that I that I'm really curious to see how it pans out. I would say that the real world, like when it first came out, it was like a cool show, yeah, and like it was very like cutting edge, and the people it was were, really a social experiment. People were different and interesting, and now I don't know if it's America getting dumber or just young people getting dumber, but now it's basically people like dry humping in a house, hammered. So the show has already like completely jumped the shark for me in terms of its social relevance. It's now just another crap reality show, so they may as well just get totally disgusting and weird and bring the exes in. I won't be satisfied until it is unedited and there's full penetration shown. <laughs> they need to have this on HBO. Um, I guess is it is it that like college kids are just like Dumb. 10 times dumber now than they were 20 years ago when they like were informed about issues and cared about social experiments? I don't yeah, I don't now know. All we want to watch is people like drink and screw. I yeah, I don't know if I've gotten to the point at age 26 where I'm just like remember the old days when the real world was real, but I kind of feel that way. I do we uh, I was actually just talking about this with Alicia cuz she's a a big uh real world nostalgist. Yeah. Um 
And it used to be about like, okay, let's put this really conservative person and like yeah. a gay person in the same house and see how they interact. Now it's like, let's put the four most muscle-bound men yeah. and the three loosest women we can find. Let's, let's find amateur porn stars and yeah. get them drunk and see yeah. what happens. Launch their careers into hardcore the porn. The adult film industry. Yeah. Where we should all be working, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, we all would if we could. That's where the money is. Next question. Okay. Bit of a change in gears. That's okay, though. What is your desert island book and movie? So Ooh. you're on a desert island. You get one book, one movie. Is it? Can it be a book series? Sure. That's tough. That's a good question. Now you're going to answer these too, right? Um, I didn't think about it, but I'll think while you're answering. Okay. Oh, man. That's really hard. I already know my book, so I'll go. Okay. What, what book? The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Okay. Really dark and kind of sad, so I don't know why I'd want it on an island with me, but... It's a spiritual book and an entertaining read. I think I would want that companionship on an island. Mm-hmm. Movie? It's tempting to go comedy, but I don't know if there's enough layers to a comedy to keep you entertained. Um, I'm not sure. I, I got What's your book? I think I would go with a. I would go with a book of poetry, okay. some kind of poetry collection. Um, probably either. Like Oscar Wilde or, I like Walt, Oscar Wilde. or Walt Whitman. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, I like Oscar Wilde a lot. Um, the something like that. play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Yeah, yeah. just like Robin Williams tells us. Yeah, uh, that's a great commercial. It is, it's really good. Or is it, it the powerful play goes on? I think it's powerful. powerful. Um, the, the irony about that is I, I saw that commercial for the first time like a week after, after watching Dead, Dead Poets Society. So that was kind of odd. But um, I feel like there's a lot there. You know, with poetry, it's like a bunch of little things and... Yeah. Probably would keep you motivated and less crazy yeah. on a desert island by yourself. Yeah. Uh, did you think of a movie yet? No, because I always want to say something stupid like, I would want Django Unchained because yeah. I was really entertained by that movie. But it's always just like the a recent movie that I've seen. My, uh, I think Django would get old. Um, a friend of mine, uh African-American friend of mine named Dwayne, walked out of that movie. Uh, I can probably see why. And if, and I hadn't seen it at that point, so I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And the couple people that I think had gone with me were like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I don't really get it, like, why he would be so upset. And I watched it, and I was I, like, I get it. Like, um, now, I think uh, when I was in that movie, uh, there was a couple in front of me, and the wife got up, and she was like, this is astounding. And she got up and, like, bustled out, and the husband sat there and didn't leave. Yeah. And then she came back in, like, ten minutes later and was like, are you coming? And are he was like... kidding me? Oh, all right. All he, right. like, wanted to maximize every instant of Django. Of gory violence that he possibly could. I think I would go with something probably from childhood. I'd go with something like a classic. Like a, like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking, that's actually. A, that's also a poetic... Movie, entertaining movie, yeah. weird movie, a little bit psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Um, I always want to go with Apocalypse Now, even yeah. though that's a really, really depressing movie. It is. But I just think it's powerful. What about like a Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, a little Hunter Thompson? Play? Never seen it. What? I know, we're going to have to do oh, it. Oh yeah, we'll have to watch that. Although Independence Day is a movie that's that I good. watch constantly, and I don't know if that movie is bad and I just love it, or if other people think that movie's good. I got it. I know what movie I'm taking. Okay. It's Castaway, Tom Hanks. Ooh, that's, yeah. That's good. It's perfect for that. I mean... Can find out how to make a Wilson for yourself? Hopefully, hopefully somebody, uh, I can figure out how to make a boat and somebody will find me at some point. Yeah. It's a really a, a how-to. Yeah. On how to be cast it's away. like having a survival guide with yeah. you. Next question. That was really productive. It was. I enjoyed time. it. 
if this is actually sports related, if the Vikings get a good quarterback, yes, say your Bridgewater or Menzel, yes, a guy that translates quickly, okay, yes. could they potentially go worst to first, or do we need more time? I think they could absolutely. Um, their record was only—I mean, they were terrible this year, but they still finished five, ten, and one. If they had, and I think they're out of their first three or four games, they lost by like two points in the final few minutes. Doesn't that seem to be the key to just as a tangent is like if you start four and one, even if you have the talent of maybe a seven win team, your team sort of gets confidence and yeah. starts rolling. Oh yeah, and if and and same is true for the opposite. Yeah. If you lose, you know, three games out of your first four that are really close, you kind of start going, well, what, what more can we do? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think they can. With Adrian Peterson and Cordero Patterson, Greg Jennings, that offense has got a lot of potential if they it's get the right made. quarterback. Yeah. And I think, um, the defense being one of the worst in the league this last year, you know, having a, a defensive minded coach and, and hopefully some new, um, personnel to come in as well. I think their defense could be good enough to help them win 10 or 11 games. And, you know, have a shot at making the playoffs or wild card. Yeah, Probably not first. I mean, unless... The, unless, unless 10 wins is enough or something unless, like that. Well, I mean, my my big thing is it all comes down to what Green Bay does. If that yeah. offense kind of can revert back to what it was two years ago, um, it'll be really hard to, to unseat them at, top, at the top of the division. But um, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again or if, if they can't kind of find some chemistry there or a little bit more... Uh, weaponize wide receivers then maybe maybe so and i think the you know like you say the vikings have to go after they get a quarterback at eight if that's what they do the rest of the draft pretty much has to be defense yeah and you know i I was wondering and i'll ask you this what do you think the possibilities for bringing in someone out of free agency are on the defensive side of the ball there's not a whole lot out there, it doesn't seem. But. Well, I know. I think Aqib Talib is going to be a free agent. I don't know how much. for him. Uh, you know, in New England, I mean, they've got so much committed to Brady that they tend to let free agents walk. Yeah. So I don't know if, if he might be a guy. Um, I haven't looked too much at the free agency crop. Like defensive end Jared Allen will be a free agent. I yeah. would assume they'll let him go. I just don't think that they're going to pay him. What, what he's, he's going to want. What he'll demand just on a free open market, you know? Yeah, but I would think, you know, they, they, they don't have a ton of money committed to the quarterback position in Minnesota. Right. They can let a lot of things go on defense. So I think, you know, if they could add two or three key players via free agency, or even one or two, yeah, and then draft to build around them, you know, I think they could revamp that defense. I think if they could... I would think that getting, like, a linebacker maybe in free agency, someone ex- with some experience playing in the middle... Would be great unless there's somebody in the draft that's, you know, ready to jump into that. So I think it's a little bit harder to jump in at middle linebacker out of college than maybe it would be at... And be uh, the quarterback of the defense. Yeah, instead of being just a defensive back. I mean, we saw Xavier Rhodes come in and have a, a decent season as a That's rookie. the other thing is, is they've got Harrison Smith will be back. Yeah, Rhodes will be, be huge. Rhodes and Sharif Floyd will be another year along. So yeah. I think we may just see some growth again with Zimmer. Um, just kind of progressing those guys. Brian Robinson is talking about Sharif Floyd on the radio this morning. Uh, they asked him what he thought, you know, what they thought, what he thought of him, because he, you know, he's a top seven draft pick and all that stuff. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, just a guy that's really quick for his size, but what surprised him the most about him was just how willing and how quickly he learned, you know, different techniques in the system and, and, you know, really open to learning. 
which was, uh, I think, not kind of what he was characterized His as. His perception, yeah. yeah. And and I think also that's a knock against Leslie Frazier is not getting the young guys in enough. Yeah, what's like up with that? Cordero Patterson not playing until like the second half of the year almost. They refused to play. And, he, and Leslie Frazier came right out and was like, nope, we're probably not going to play Kevin Williams and Sharif Floyd together. And I don't know why in the world you would no, really try it. No, that was certainly their best combination, I yeah, would think. I don't know. Last question. That's This is going to be totally random. Do you have a go-to pickup line? Oh, God, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been, it's yeah, been I mean, a you're spoken time. for, but let me tell you, back in the day, Ben Sherman, kind of a chick magnet. A little bit of a chick magnet. That's mostly alcohol-fueled. Yeah. 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 As still, it should be. Still. No, not really. Uh, mostly just uh, aggressive eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Who's your daddy? Yeah, kind of that, that approach. Is he rich like me? You know, just uh, aggressive eye contact, lots of... Uh, once you once you know that you're not being kind of a, a creepy stalker, then uh, hard to establish that physical contact is is a is a good go. It's imminent, yeah. yeah. It's I always found that the the best one the best ones are the ones where you don't have to say anything at all. It's just more of like a. <laughs> I've never found any of those. The bedroom eyes kind of a look. <laughs> what you think are bedroom eyes is really just you cross-eyed when you're yeah. hammered. Yeah, it works I, somehow. I don't know. All right, that's all I have for you. Do you have anything for me? I do. Okay. 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 So. Look at your life now. All right. Now look at your life uh, two years ago. Okay. How much has it changed and how surprised are you at where you are in life right now? Oh, um, I guess I'm with myself most of the time, so I'm not too surprised. You, really, you don't leave yourself alone very often? Not often. Um, but two, two years ago, I was selling knives on pure commission out of Sam's Clubs 90 hours a week. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, that actually did happen. Sounds like a sitcom. Yeah, I mean, I, it's at least a stand-up five minutes. It's at least a, a good stand-up routine. And then I sold advertising over the phone, uh, which was um, great people that I worked with, like my peeps, like, loved my boss, but just the actual work uh, was kind of soul-crushing. And so uh, since then, we had a baby. Um, what's up, Silas? Shout out to Silas on the podcast. Got married in the last two years. Um, I guess a lot has changed, but I, humans have a great ability to adapt. I'll yeah. say that about my life and where it has gone. And I couldn't be happier than, than where I am right now. Uh, be liking to, would like to stack a little bit more paper than we do at the day at school. Yeah. That'll come. That'll come. We're still at that point where we can get away with being poor, I think. Yeah. Well, we are poor. Yeah. So we're getting away with We're it. getting away with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, Life is a is a strange journey. I've I've taken the road less traveled. I would say that. Yeah. And that has made all the and difference. that has made all the difference. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess what one and now we're kind of in the new year and we didn't really I guess talk too much resolution kind of a stuff. But uh, in the next year, what one thing would you like to see change? I would like to one. I've got two things. Break the world record for push-ups. Mm-hmm. That's around the corner. It's going to happen. Yeah, I'm at 15 now. Fun, funny story about that. Remind me to tell you after you finish. Okay. Number two, um, taking the day in sports to whatever next level that is. Singularity. The the singularity. Maybe the day in sports will be responsible for human society hitting its pinnacle, and then we can all stop working. It's probably the most likely outcome. We're on the verge, peeps. Um, funny story about world record push-up holder. Uh, was a guy that substitute taught my gym class uh, in middle school. Did he ever times. do it for you? 
He held the world record for most push-ups. Consecutively? Most, mo- yeah, most one-armed push-ups. Ooh. And he was um, he was a guy that went to the middle school that I went to, and as a kid, he was going to a baseball game at the school once and crossing a busy road and got hit by a car. And was uh, it affected his functioning as a as an adult? Yeah. But what was his record? It was something ludicrous, like in the three hundreds. Oh my god! Like you know, literally just doing push ups for like an hour, two hours, three hours. I don't know. Seems ridiculous to me. But he was very a very weird looking. He looked like a a toe kind of like a human big toe. <laughs> That'd be how I would describe his appearance. Oh, last thing, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, actually, I saw, I saw him on a one-on-one with Lindsey Zarniak, and they were like, is there anything we should know about you, Coach, that, that we don't? Yeah. He was like, no. Well, I got hit by an ice cream truck once, <laughs> <laughs> which was just really bizarre. But they asked him in his latest press conference, what would you give up to play in this game? And I think they were more like, would you give up sweets or would you give up $10,000? But he went right to the extreme and said that he would either give up his eyeball or his arm. Yeah. What did you think of that? I liked it. I, I kind of thought he really shocked the uh, reporters, the media that was present. They were kind of like, oh, you're just kind of going for a happy-go-lucky kind of a, a thing. joke, coach. Uh, don't talk about cutting your eyeball out so you can play again, please. <laughs> I think he would. He would. I think he might. He, aggr- he was very aggressive and pointed about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's a horse of a different color with his Walmart Pleats. Walmart khakis. Yeah, $8 a pair. Uh, should we do a quick hockey update right before we wrap it? Yes, Eric, do you have anything that you want to add before hockey update? Uh, I did not have anything I wanted to add. Hockey update, Ben. Let's go. Let's do a little mid-season We're, award yeah, type stuff. It's mid-season. Um, it's been weird. Yeah, been wild. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm nervous. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-mm. It's You know, it's really interesting. Um, I've, I've always been a big kind of pusher that Sidney Crosby is head and shoulders the best player in hockey. And he probably is. Um, he's got 68 points at about the halfway mark, which is, you know, 25 goals. That means he's got, you know, 43 assists, I think. Those are kind of almost Gretzky-esque numbers. Yeah. Um, but Alex Ovechkin, after a slow start, has come around. Uh, he's leading the NHL in goals scored. Um, kind of renewing that conversation about the Crosby-Ovechkin rivalry. And yeah, that's fun. Doing know? some late night filings. I think it, I think it's good for hockey to have those kind of guys out there on the ice and playing. Um, yeah, much like the NBA, I think hockey needs kind of the the cornerstone guys. You yeah. can say, you know, uh, uh, Sidney Crosby and the and the Penguins take on, you know, so-and-so. Yeah, and, and we've seen kind of a decline, I think, in that department for hockey, you know, because they play in shifts and, and guys aren't necessarily on the ice as often. Um, and I think more personalities like that are more, more marketable um, guys are really the way that they're going to grow the sport. So it'll be interesting to watch. I think... Uh, so is Crosby your MVP then? Yeah. I mean, he has to be. He's he's scored, you know, 10, 12 more points than anybody else in hockey. Um, and 43 assists is nothing to, to sneeze at. He's also naturally hairless. He is. He's a really odd guy. You know, <laughs> there was... Uh, we were watching that 24-7 thing, you know? Yeah. And they played the Penguins. I think it was um, the Red Wings that played the Penguins or something. And, you know, those guys, they chirp at each other a lot about cheap shots and who's poking who with whose stick and all this stuff and who, you know, came in came in from behind who and dirty hits and all that stuff. And, uh, and it was funny to hear Sidney Crosby 
kind of defending himself, and they said, "Well, you took a cheap shot on so and so." And he said, "I don't hit people. I'm not. I don't do that. Do you ever have you ever seen me play? I don't hit people. I'm not out here for that." And uh, it's just funny how in a sport that's so like masculine and all about fighting and, and punching each other and and all that stuff, that uh, he's readily admitting that yeah. he that's not Sydney's bag. Just your clear contact. Yeah. Um, Josh Harding, the wild goalie Josh Harding, uh, is still on IR. I think he's getting ready to come back after adjusting his medication, but he still has the best, uh, goal against average in hockey. What's the, be- what's the goalie award called? Um, the Con Smythe. Smythe. The Vesna. The, the Vesna. Con Smythe is playoff MVP. Ooh. Okay. I'm learning stuff on the podcast too. So, who is Con Smythe? No idea. Some kind of con man. Fr- I know he was friends with Oral Roberts. Oral Hershiser, it's pronounced. <laughs> it's pronounced thermometer. Uh, no, but, uh, I mean, since he's been out, he does have the best goal against average in hockey, but I don't know if I could give him kind of the the nod as the best goalie right now. Um, the best, no. Ben Bishop in Tampa Bay has been playing stellar hockey, too. Um, 1.83 goal against average. The same percentage is upwards of almost 94. Can I ask you this question? Yeah. Which goalie... Would you fear most, or could give their team the best chance of putting them on their collective shoulders and carrying them through the playoffs? I've always been um, a big believer in Jonathan Quick uh, in Los Angeles. He's not really statistically in the top five at all this season, but he's the kind of guy that when he's on and he's you just don't score, out, you just don't get the puck in there. And he usually turns it on in the postseason. Um, but I would have to say. Uh, just because of his name, I think Tuka Rask is probably the most feared goalie out there. I mean, he's got a scary name. Yeah, he does, and he's he's good. He's a great goalie. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. What else do you say? Do you have any other awards? Yeah, we can keep we can keep defenseman. Just give me a defenseman of the year. Well, let's let's in that in that case, I think you should do plus minus. Okay. Um, should we do you do you know what that means? Yes. Okay. So basically, for for anyone who might not know, it's a it's a counting of the goals that are scored for and against your team while you're on the ice. While you're on the ice, yeah. Um, do the same thing in, in in hoops. In hoops, and uh, Matt Niskanen in Pittsburgh is plus twenty six. Oh wow, that's pretty aggressive. So they've got the Defensive Player of the Year and the MVP in Crosby. Yeah, I mean it's. You look at some of these guys, and, and they're all within two. Marion Hosa in Chicago is plus 24, and he's the last guy in the list. For the Blackhawks. Um, that's so that's insane to think that. I mean, there are, there are great hockey players that can score unbelievably, but, you know, they're plus three or minus two or something like that. To have guys like this that are have literally had 26 more goals scored while they're on the ice um, than their opponents have scored is just kind of an impressive statistic, I feel. The best of the best. The best of the best of the best. And we could probably talk just a, a quick update on standings yeah. in, in the playoff race before we wrap it in a paper bag. Yeah. Throw it in the garbage. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay, who lost uh, Steven Stamkos, has, and I kind of picked them as a, as a dark horse when they were struggling a little bit, and they've turned it around. Uh, 60 points tied atop the Atlantic with the Bruins. It's impressive. Yeah. I, I know you're, you've been wanting a Tampa Bay jersey for a while, so we'll get you one soon. Winnipeg. You know I want Winnipeg. You're a Jets guy. I keep forgetting. When that. you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the I way. I think, oh, the Jets were actually just in town the other night. Um, we should have gone to the game. In the Metropolitan Division, Pittsburgh is uh, 18 points above their closest competitor. I can't believe I didn't read that in the Winnipeg Herald. 70, 70 points, uh, and then Philadelphia's got 52, so that's just uh, really turned into a, a mess. 
Chicago's got 71 points. But again, uh, the Anaheim Ducks are the best team in hockey now, which is weird to say. They've always been competitive, but they've got 77 points in the standings. Their goal differential is plus 50. Scored 50 more goals in, uh, than their opponents on an eight-game win streak. I think over their last 18 games, they're like 17-1-0 or something like that. That's impressive stuff in hockey where it seems... Like any kind of like the NBA, any team can win yeah. any night. So yeah. to get on a streak like that, seventeen, yeah, it's it's unreal. Um, other than that, that's our look, hockey. Those are the rap. highlights. That's that's the ho- just cut a line. That was that sounded like someone stopping aggressively on the ice and spraying ice shavings everywhere. That's what it was. I was doing that for yeah. the listeners. That's the end of our hockey minute, and that's going to be the end of our podcast. I think what we learned today, aggressive eye contact win, yes. wins the ladies. Wins the ladies. Clayton Kershaw deserved every penny he got. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You've got the Broncos. I've got the Patriots. We're both on the Niners. And a bunch of other stuff happened on the podcast that we weren't even ready to talk about. Are you surprised and happy that I picked the 49ers to win? Or does it really not matter to you? <sighs> it's just... Uh, the stress. It's just As Jim Harbaugh you. would say, it's competition. It's winning. Nothing else matters. Just win, baby. Channeling a little Al Davis there. That's that's all I'm about. No, I'm nervous, but uh, I'm excited. It's going to be a great game, I think. If someone had told you at the, at the outset of the season that it was going to come down to the 49ers and the Seahawks in Seattle, would that have shocked you? No. I think that's what... I think that would have been the, the most popular pick you could have made. Yeah. Um, and I would say... If the 49ers are listening to this podcast, which they probably are, you got one game, fellas. Would you take that at the beginning of the year? Yeah. You got to go to Seattle one time, win one time for the chance to to go back to the scene of the crime. This is 60 minutes for the rest of your lives. Yes, it is. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. And you just wasted about 60 minutes of your time listening to Ben and Adam and Eric on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>